On this third Sunday of Lent, I confess I did not think a reflection on how God changes possibilities, our word for this third Sunday, how God changes possibilities for the sake of the world, would mean considering the possibility of social distancing and isolation in the midst of a worldwide health crisis. Not being together in person for the sake of each other, let alone the world, was just never a possibility that had crossed my mind. And in these last few days, it has become real to me how much I depend on social interaction and how much of what it means for me to practice my faith is dependent upon being physically together with other people. So perhaps this story of the woman at the well, but also the woman who leaves the well and returns to community can be a helpful story to consider today since we find ourselves in our situation more like hers. When she comes to the well, she's distanced from her community. She spends most of her days alone. And yet, lo and behold, she is met by God in the place of her isolation. And perhaps we will be too. Four weeks ago, our wonderful Baptist women in ministry preacher, Lolita Small, brought us alongside Jesus and this woman by the well to come to terms with our deepest thirsts. By Jacob's well, this woman engages Jesus in a conversation that is quick-witted, undaunted, intelligent, observant, and engaging. She realizes Jesus is different than the others in her community. And the subjects of their conversation range from deeply theological to deeply personal. Both of them are willing to get as vulnerable as the other. Jesus sees the whole of this woman, her past, her present, and her future, what she yearns for, how she hurts, what she's afraid of, and all that she might become. Bridging the passage that Lolita preached on to the one we read today, Jesus sees this woman and names her, in a way that doesn't shame or condemn her, but in a way that shields and restores her in love. Howard Thurman describes this character trait of Jesus, where he does this to more than one person in the Gospels, where he puts a crown over this woman's head that for the rest of her life she'll strive to grow tall enough to wear. This is a metaphorical crown, but she receives it and the truthful revelation about who he is, the Messiah. And both of these things completely turn her world upside down, or maybe right side up. This woman is so transformed by the encounter with Jesus that she forgets all about her water jar and runs back to the city with her inner water jar of joy and acceptance spilling over You can hear it in her words. Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? You can hear and imagine the breathlessness, the joy, the excitement in her voice as she runs up to every person she encounters. Come and see. Come and see. Her sudden need to share the good news overwhelms her sense of isolation and loneliness. Her story, even the parts that don't feel good for her to share, 
becomes the evidence she uses to proclaim Jesus' identity. Her words, come and see, echo Jesus' invitation to the first disciples by the seashore, meaning there's nothing about Jesus that can be reduced to a formula or a set of easy steps for a better and more comfortable life. She shares even her questions, maybe spoken with a little hesitation, as if she can't quite believe it. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Which shows us that even questions are part of our witness and testimony because it means our faith is still growing and forming as it should throughout our lives. Her story brings the whole city to this well, this site that had been a former place of exclusion, isolation, and loneliness, but will not be for very much longer. Her story embodies exactly what Jesus prepares his disciples for, the incoming of this crowd, the incoming harvest, that these disciples had nothing to do with planting and tending, but nevertheless is ripe for their work in gathering in. It's the very woman that they were looking upon with bewilderment while keeping their distance, who sowed the seeds of the good news in the hearts of her townspeople. She prepared her community to be ripe for harvesting, And the possibilities are endless for what can happen when the Holy Spirit goes to work in people who are willing to be taught, who are willing to be changed by God for the sake of the world. What are the possibilities that are open to us in these days? Days that are stressful because of isolation from family, friends, and coworkers, and stressful because of unexpected togetherness among households as students are sent home to learn remotely and working from home becomes increasingly more common. A friend posed the question recently, what, if done by a church in the midst of a pandemic, would cause neighbors to be stunned by their kindness, courage, generosity, faith, hope, and love? What would it be? that would cause people to be so stunned by kindness, courage, generosity, faith, hope, and love. Whatever it is, do that. What are the possibilities that we can all grow into as providence to do just that? How might we get creative in how we connect as a church family and to our wider community? Perhaps we clear a space at the kitchen table, find some fancy stationery and our favorite pen, and write letters to those who are long overdue in hearing from us. Perhaps we make a list of people to call and text every day to check on and say, I'm thinking about you. I love you. If you need anything, I'm here. FaceTime or Google Hangouts make it possible to see people as well as hear their voices. And you can get multiple people on Google for a group chat to have tea and coffee or gather for a Lenten study group. Instead of grumbling about how technology drives us further apart, which I know I am guilty of doing from time to time, and that can happen if we let it, 
Let's instead use technology to our advantage. Our phones and computers are now, for the time being, the best and safest way of connecting. This truly is a time like no other. And no one else can do what you can do. So the possibilities are endless for what each of us can do to embody kindness, courage, generosity, faith, hope, and love to our neighbors and to ourselves. I'll end with a poem by Lynn Ungar, which I've seen posted by many friends on Facebook, including some of you all watching today. And I read it as an invitation. First, to acknowledge our fears, our worries, our frustrations and uncertainties, and to be in relationship with these feelings in a different way, a way that's open to possibilities of being changed by God for the sake of our world. So prayerfully listen to this poem entitled Pandemic by Lynn Ungar. What if you thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up, just for now, on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing. Pray. Touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body becomes still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You can hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. Amen.